your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. They roll right. Bowers throws pass. Is knocked away after the Eli Sullivan knocks the football away, and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over the one. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Our post-4th of July show. Hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Hope everybody's safe and sound. A lot of fireworks around at least Lincoln. I'm sure Omaha was lively as well. Did you survive okay, Ben? Did you make it through it? I know you're kind of a get-off-my-lawn kind of guy. I was worried about you a lot. I'm not a get-off-my-lawn type of guy when the fireworks are <laughs> within the legal limits. You know, with <laughs> once we make it to July 1st, Blow your stuff off all you want to. Um, <laughs> but June, what, June 28th was a little early for my taste. But, yeah, I mean, it, we, we made it through okay. Uh, dogs don't – my dog didn't love it at all. Baby did a lot better than I thought uh, she would do. Considering the uh, the tenacity, the intensity <laughs> that my neighborhood had, if our if our Husker football team attacks the season like my neighborhood did the 4th of July, Husker fans are going to be pleased. You also told us on our last show on Thursday that you were planning on hitting the golf course. Did, did that happen? That did indeed happen. Uh, hindsight, it, it was probably a little premature to get out there on a broken toe and, <laughs> and, and hack around for 18 holes, but... Um, it was worth it. It was worth all the pain. It was worth all the discomfort because I hadn't been on a golf course in a long time. And to be out there with uh, with some friends on a, a tradition round that we we do every year on the 4th of July, it was, it was totally worth it. So um, I, think, I think I've got two rounds of golf left in me, Sharpie, before the, the, the football season we're hoping starts. So I got to make the most of every round I get out. Well, you got a few more weekends ahead of you. You should be able to, to get that done. We did also, not only did we talk about Ben's uh, upcoming golf game on Thursday's show, we also prepped you that there could be some fireworks for Husker football recruiting that would happen on the 4th of July, and indeed they did, as four-star wide receiver Latrell Neville from Houston, Texas, big, tall fellow, six foot. Uh, 4190 did pick Nebraska on the 4th of July. Some pretty good fireworks for Husker football. And a guy that we talked a little bit about on Thursday's show, we're going to talk more about it tonight, Michael Brunts of Husker 24-7 coming up here in a little bit. But give me your scout on Neville and this pickup by Scott Frost and the staff. Yeah, boy, it's uh, it it's certainly – so every time somebody gets a commit, mainly Nebraska, you run into uh, – a process, right? Everybody has their own process of how they learn about each player or how they learn about the new player. You know, Neville was an interesting one because the first thing that that stuck out is his size, six foot three, nearly two hundred pounds. Um, and 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 my first question then goes goes to Greg is what does this do for Nebraska's receiver room? Not necessarily now, but in a year from now. You know, what What does that room really look like? Are, is Nebraska finally going to have something that they haven't had, which is options? Are they going to have players be able to play in the correct spot? How much better is Wandale Robinson going to be with a big body receiver out um, on, you know, on the X position where those bubble screens that Nebraska runs, those straight flat routes that Nebraska runs where – They've had to manipulate it to where Jack Stoll is a lead blocker when they like to be able to just block those tight ends. You think about you know, some of those receivers that they've had at UCF that make those plays work. You have to be able to block on the perimeter. How, how much more effective does it make those guys? That's kind of where, where my mind went with the commitment to Neville is you think about all of the big bodies that are now starting to accumulate in that room with Omar Manning, with Xavier Betts, now with Latrell Neville, uh, I think there's a handful more that are, have that have committed that are over six foot tall. And no longer, Greg, are we talking about Wandale Robinson and J.D. Spielman and Jamie Nance and Demary in Houston and all these guys that are under five ten. 
that was always the knock is what happens when and Stanley played a lot bigger than he was. Stanley played about six four, six five, and you know he was hardly six foot. You know sometimes you have those guys that play play bigger than they are. What what does this do for Nebraska's receiver room? Was my first question, and I think you know the coaching staff has really taken to heart you know the lack of size that they've had on the outside and go try to address that. You know back to what I was saying about kind of uh commitment process like the first thing you the first thing i do i always check the measurables i always check where they're from and the next thing i always do is check the offer list Uh, who who offered them and latrell nevels is more than impressive he's one of those guys that could have gone anywhere he wanted alabama georgia um, auburn florida florida state texas i mean all these schools offered him and he could have gone to any of them. He was a former Virginia Tech commit. Um, he's not overly highly rated, uh, which is interesting. And the other thing that I found interesting is kind of the next thing that I look at with recruits is their high school production, right? How many receptions, how many yards, how many touchdowns. And it didn't necessarily add up the offer list with the, the amount of production that Latrell Neville had. And that leads me to believe that either it was a scheme thing offensively or they had a hard time getting him the ball, played tough. I don't know what the situation was in high school, but a lot of times when you have a high three-star, low four-star receiver with that size at a school, the production numbers are a lot higher. And so I wonder what what type of fit he's going to be when he comes to Nebraska in terms of what offense he's played in, how quick he's going to grasp the playbook, and how much more explosive can this guy be with an offense that can do, that's conducive to his play style? So I think to me that, that that's kind of where I go with it. Um, you know, one more quick point on his commitment. You know, anybody that kind of did their due diligence at, on, on his situation, you knew he was a pretty heavy Nebraska lean. And a lot of times when, when that's the case, somebody's a heavy Nebraska lean, it doesn't make their commitment as exciting. But it needs to be because think about – what a shot in the gut that would have been if he posted a Twitter graphic saying he was going to the University of Florida yeah. and, and how shocked he would have been. So I know a lot of people expected him to commit. That shouldn't make the commitment less exciting. Be, be appreciative. Be glad. Um, and and let the, don't let the lack of surprise be, be the lack of excitement, I suppose, because this one would have hurt, Greg. If, if we were hearing everything, he was tweeting at our recruits and – um, you know, you were following the, the Twitter det- detective trail on who he was hot on. That's becoming a pretty big tell for me, the Twitter machine of where kids' heads are at. It's pretty, it's pretty hard for them to hide it if they're active on social media. And Latrell Neville left a, a, a cookie trail of crumbs <laughs> in, into Memorial Stadium. And I'll tell you what, that would have been a really disappointing one having – um, all that kind of intel in front of you at the last second have that ripped away saying he was going somewhere else. So although I wasn't surprised, that doesn't mean I wasn't excited and, and fans should be excited. Yeah, he, he kept dropping a red balloon on like his Twitter handles and that kind of gave you a feeling that it was going to be a Husker and I'm certainly glad to get him. This is a young guy that had decommitted oh, a couple months ago from Virginia Tech. Nebraska swooped right in and got on him. It's the 11th commitment of the 2021 class for Nebraska. Five of them, so nearly 50%, have committed to Nebraska football since Memorial Day. So between Memorial Day and the 4th of July, Nebraska picked up about half of this class. It's good work uh, being done by the staff uh, during the recruiting trail, during this, the, when June's usually a busy month for camps and those type of things, which all got canceled because of COVID. But this staff continued to kind of motor through that. And I don't know that they're done yet. I think they may get a couple more before summer ends. We'll, uh, we'll hear more and get Michael Brunson's thoughts again coming up here on that in just a little bit. Austin had this in the ticker that Nebraska Athletics today did release a new mobile app that will feature mobile tickets, which is what Nebraska's going to now for all their athletic events. Football, volleyball, men's, women's, basketball, volleyball, baseball, all that is now going to be mobile ticketing. You're going to have to have an app to be able to do this. This is uh, 
really become a trend across the country. We saw it happen at the College World Series two years ago. They went to this where they're not sending you hard copy tickets anymore to bring in. And I know people, there are people that collect those. Austin also mentioned that they're going to have a ticket within each week's game program that you could still buy the program and get a collector's uh, ticket. But this is, one, it's a safety issue to try to get people in the venues. You don't have to hand somebody a ticket or carry those. This is going to be pretty seamless. It's kind of the wave of the future, and I, I know some people are going to be not real comfortable with this. If they don't have a smartphone, they're going to have to kind of figure something else out to do this. But this is kind of the way of the future, Ben, is going to these uh, ticketless events. A lot of concerts have gone that way in the last couple of years as well. Yeah, and it's unfortunately it's something that we're just going to have to get used to. And as you said, there's a lot of people out there that are, use, you know, it's a tra- tradition for them to get them in the mail and, uh, you know, all these things that have, have meant – something to them personally for a long time collect them um but obviously with the times you got to stay up with them and and one thing that you know needs to be understood is we're, we're in we're in pretty severe danger greg of not having a football season and and fans and the athletic department and and really everybody involved are going to have to get used to things being done differently this year to make this happen. I mean, we all are going to have to give a little bit um, to make this as safe as possible and to make it so, you know, the the contact, um, the, the personal contact, the safety is, is on the forefront. And this is just one of those things. And quite honestly, it, if you think about how many times tickets change hands, you think about um, you know, how many, how many times people have their tickets in their hand and, you know, exchange contact with somebody else. It's kind of a brilliant idea from the athletic department, if you think about it, to, to be on that initiative. And, um, you know, we talked a lot about a couple months ago all of the things that are going to need to be done for uh, all the questions that are going to be answered with COVID. And, and there, there's a lot of them. And th- this is some of the solution that, the, the athletic department has come up with and and part of those those questions that that fans are going to have to to make it safe for them to go watch the huskers play so i know it's going to be different i know it's it's going to make some people upset but um there are going to be this isn't going to be the only thing that's different this isn't going to be the only thing that's new and things that you're going to have to get used to you know this year so uh, the best advice i have is to just wear it embrace it and if this helps us all enjoy the Huskers playing sports this year, uh, it's a small sacrifice that we can make to, uh, to make that possible. One thing that people are going to have to get used to, ticket and parking transfers are not available at this time. And I know there are a lot of people who share season tickets or can't go one week and want to get their tickets to somebody else. Um, that's going to be something they're going to have to navigate their way through. We've been talking about this Huskers app for a couple of years now. It's really, I use it all the time when the Huskers are playing whatever sport it is. It's an easy download. You can go find it uh, and wherever you download your apps off of. Uh, it's an easy way to find that. So I would go, if you don't have that Huskers app on your mobile device now, get that part of it done, and then you can start to try to train yourself on how to use that. And uh, the tickets should be arriving two to three weeks before the start of the season. Uh, we'll have more about this as we move, move along throughout the show tonight as well. We welcome on to the first guest of the night our good friend michael brunts from 24 7 sports bruncy first of all hopefully had a nice safe fourth of july holiday with the little one we're able to able to get back and relax and have a little barbecue food and and hang out with the family at all this weekend with everything going on yeah a little grilling um what the neighbors handle the explosions and uh the purchasing of the fireworks i don't really get into the uh the the the, uh, the exploding stuff too much. I kind of leave that up to uh, to the neighbors to take care of. But it was it was good, it was relaxing, and uh, you know definitely felt like everybody kind of emptied the tank a little bit with Fourth of July this year, which was uh, a little bit of normalcy, but it just just tons of explosions. I don't know if it was uh, that that way where you are. It kind of felt like they were taking out, you know, the COVID frustration on on the on the pyrotechnics, you know, like like let's let's assume this COVID is this artillery shell that I'm about to blow up, and maybe maybe people got to blow off some steam. I don't know. It, it, it was definitely more than a few smoke bombs in my neighborhood. I know that much. 
<laughs> well, we were waiting for an announcement on the 4th of July commitment-wise. or Not not a, an overly popular day to announce a commitment, but I know a lot of Husker fans were glued to their Twitter pages, doing a lot of refreshing. Uh, there were even some current Husker commits that, that were poking and prodding Latrell Neville for his commitment. All of all of the, uh, the Twitter action, pretty obvious in Nebraska lean, so I don't know if it was a huge surprise, but... Um, a surprise the other way would have been devastating. Start first, Bruncey, with the work that the coaching staff did in positioning themselves to get this young man, a one-time Virginia Tech commit, uh, to want to come play for the Huskers. Yeah, like you said, you know, former Virginia Tech commit, he's out of a high tower high school in, in, in Texas. And, you know, the, the thing that you kind of go to first uh, with the, the troll Neville, six foot three, 195 pounds. And, you know, when you compare with, you know that size, and when you start talking about Omar Manning, who's every bit of six foot four, uh, you've got Xavier Best on campus, who uh, let's say six two, six three, somewhere in there. Um, you know, the, the brass is really kind of you know you, you look at what they've done over the last couple of recruiting classes. They've really changed the look of that wide receiver room. Um, you know, Sean Hardy out of Georgia is the other uh, wide receiver commit in this class. He's six foot three, one ninety, so. Uh, you know, Nebraska wanted to get bigger uh, at wide receiver. I think you've seen, you know, guys that are a little bit shorter stature certainly have some success, J.D. Spielman uh, being one. Uh, but, you know, when, when you're throwing those quick passes to the outside and, and you need somebody to block, it looks a little bit different uh, when you, you've got, you know, 6'3", 190, or, or 6'4", 220, like Omar Manning is on the outside. And, and you know, I think Nebraska, you know, kind of, you know, really positioned itself with the office that they run, that it's really built uh, for playmakers. And, you know, I think Matt Lubick um, definitely kind of struck it up, uh, struck a, you know, a pretty good relationship pretty quickly um, with uh, Latrell Neville. And, and that was a big reason why he committed. So uh, they're up to 11 commits now, but, you know, I, I think you kind of have to like uh, the size that Nebraska has really added to its wide receiver room in the past couple of classes here. Brunza, I, I know with the season kind of in limbo right now, just assuming for a second there is a season and everything's normal and, and we're, we're, we're covering a fall camp and we can ask the questions that are, are all relative to football, one of the biggest question marks and concerns for Nebraska's offense and really just team in general is going to be the wide receiver position. Obviously, you, you lose J.D. Spielman. Nebraska's going to have a ton of production there last year as it is, even with J.D., I'm asking you a question that, that none of us know the answer to, but how would you personally kind of assess where Nebraska is right now with the, with the wide receiver spot and, and what, what to expect in terms of production for guys that we haven't necessarily seen do it before at a Division One level or at a school like Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, you, you like the room, you know, as they've kind of had to rebuild it, um, you know, in, in these last couple of recruiting classes. Like you said, I mean, the potential's there. The, the production, you know, at, at the F, FBS level and, and in the Big Ten, uh, we just don't know yet. But, you know, when you look at a guy like Omar Manning, he was the number one JUCO wide receiver in the country uh, this past year. He, he spent time at TCU, um, you know, a guy that's very productive in the junior college ranks. Uh, Marcus Fleming out of Miami, another guy that was a 1,000-yard wide receiver. He's one of the quickest high school uh, wide receivers in Florida in his class last year. Xavier Betts out of Bellevue West, uh, you know, a, a tremendously productive kid at Bell West. So, you know, the, 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 the potential is there. It's just a matter of, you know, coaching those guys up, getting the most out of them. Alante Brown's another one that uh, was already on campus and went through two spring practices and impressed the coaches I know. So, you know, the potential's there. It's just a matter of, you know, getting those guys ready to go and, and kind of throwing them in. But, I mean, you don't really have another option right now. So, uh, you know, maybe the fact that you have a little bit more of a veteran group at tight end, um, you know, certainly helps there. You've got Wandale Robinson that's going to uh, be playing a lot more at wide receiver this year, which I think is more of his natural spot than what he played last year. So, Potential's there, but, you know, like everything, I mean, you kind of have to see it, um, you know, on the field to really believe it. But I I know that Nebraska really likes the talent that they've brought in to kind of reshape that room going into the season. I think one of the big things that you know people kind of lose sight of, and, and they and they want a lot of times we just look at the scoreboard or we look at records at the end of the year and say, you know, teams four and eight, teams five and seven, teams this far away, whatever it is. 
I guess the question that I have for you is how different could a Scott Frost offense look when he has the full complement uh, of offense and, and tools that he wants to have and he's not having to solve a Rubik's Cube when he looks at his play sheet and run Luke McCaffrey at wide receiver and run a reverse pass and he can just run the offense that he wants to run when the personnel is, is on the field. How, how close do you feel like Nebraska is to that point? Well, I think they're closer. I mean, and I think that's, you know, it's a bit of a complicated answer because I think, you know, the one thing that will help Nebraska in a lot of ways is to have a more consistent running game. I think that's what hurt them last year, um, you know, especially between the tackles. I think the fact that you have a veteran uh, offensive line coming back with a lot of depth, uh, you know, you had your starting running back coming back, that helps the, the passing game and the ability to you know, get up to the line and, and play tempo, which – is such an important part of Scott Frost's offense that we really haven't seen yet. Um, you know, when you kind of go back and look at, you know, what they did at Oregon and how fast they were running things when, when Scott Frost caught plays there, uh, you know, Nebraska hasn't even scratched the surface of that yet. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's just a matter of finding playmakers and, and, you know, finding enough competition to put around Adrian Martinez and hoping that Adrian – uh, has a bounce back season because you know I, I think if he can you know kind of dial things in and improve on what he was as a freshman, that, that helps that offense a ton. I mean, there's just a lot of different kind of threads to pull on that, that I think will make things easier for Scott Frost as a play caller. Uh, you know, you kind of go back to some of those games last year, and, and it it was pretty clear that Nebraska was struggling to establish anything or, or find something to kind of hang its hat on. So. You know, personnel is part of it. Um, you know, there's just so, so much that goes into that. But I think that, you know, they're starting to get to the point with this roster and the talent on the roster where they can get a little bit closer to running that tempo and, and, and things like that that are kind of the hallmarks of, of what Scott Frost did at Oregon and also UCF. Brenzi, there's a, there's a couple of, of recruits uh, still out there. One is currently committed, one is currently not, that I want to ask you about that are two pretty hot names right now in Lincoln. And, and the first one is just right across the way uh, in Iowa uh, with a tight end and, and, and Thomas Fedoni. When you look at his skill set, the schools that are in on him, the relationship that Nebraska's built with him, uh, where, where do you see Nebraska's positioning with a lot of the, the interest that he's gathering with, with other schools? rules and um you know nebraska's shot i guess in, in the end of winning out on this yeah you know i, I think nebraska's got a great shot um uh, you know they they offered thomas fedoni early uh he's been to lincoln multiple times you know nebraska has made it about as clear as you can i think to a prospect uh how important he is to their class and the future of their offense i think that he would be a fantastic fit in kind of what nebraska wants to do uh at tight end but uh, you know, he, he, like a lot of guys right now, are, are kind of in a bit of a holding pattern uh, with regards to the recruiting calendar. Uh, the NCAA has extended their dead period out till uh, basically August 31st, so he's not able to do any, any on-campus visits. A lot of the offers that he has received um, in the spring came uh, after uh, everything was kind of shut down. And so, you know, you, you've got Iowa there. He's been there. Uh, the, the one school I think that's pretty intriguing to him that he hasn't really been able to see is LSU. Um, they've, they've been pursuing him pretty hard uh, as well. You know, Ed Orgeron's involved there, uh, and they've kind of really been trying to make a push. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, it kind of depends on, you know, his, his timeline depends on, you know, if he's able to make visits in the fall, uh, what that kind of looks like. And, you know, it, you know, I think Nebraska continues to be in a good spot for him, but it's just it's, it's one of those things that you just don't know uh, what the next month or two is going to hold um, with regards to his recruitment. And, you know, I can see if, if you know, this goes into the fall more, uh, maybe he just shuts it down. But, um, you know, a guy that I, I think Nebraska is in a really nice job at this point of uh, recruiting and, and really making a priority, and he's a talent worth, worth doing that for. Brency, for as real of a, of a situation and tangible uh, information that we have on Fedoni, the next guy I'm going to ask you about, it's all hyperbole, it's all speculation, it's all uh, what I'm going to call Twitter Twitter mind reading, and, and that's a guy in Terrence Lewis from Miami Northwestern who's currently committed to Tennessee, but he's constantly tweeting out these cryptic go big reds, these uh, in, still appears to be interest with Nebraska. From what you know about uh, 
Terrence Lewis, his situation, his teammates, obviously, uh, and Ronald Delancey and Marcus Fleming, high school teammates here. Is this is this just to keep them happy, or or is the is this thing not shut and dry? Could there still be some movement with one of the top, if not the top, linebacker prospect, five star in the country? Yeah, I mean, I I think you know his recruitment would be probably a little bit different uh, if you were able to make visits uh, over the summer. You know, I, I know Nebraska was one place that uh, before he committed to Tennessee, he he was wanting to uh, to visit and check out. You mentioned the fact that, that you have the poll with teammates, uh, you know, in last year's recruiting class and they're on campus. And, uh, you know, I, I think that matters. And there were other schools that were really involved with him as well. Texas A&M was uh, a big one. Um, and, you know, it just feels like one of those recruitments that, you know, if he's committed to Tennessee or wherever he's committed, um, it, it feels like a recruitment that's very much going to go down to the wire, uh, whatever that is. If that's December or February or whatever, whatever that's happening with, uh, the COVID stuff and, and National Signing Day. Uh, he, he's a talented kid. Uh, schools are not going to stop recruiting him. Nebraska has not stopped recruiting him. And, you know, I, I continue to think that, that's, that, that there's going to be movement there. Uh, you know, Nebraska's involved. I, I just think that, you know, it, it feels like a recruitment that's going to go on for a while. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the cryptic tweets continue. Um, and, and I think his name's going to be one that, and Nebraska fans are probably going to want to keep an eye on throughout the fall. Well, I think, you know, I, I'm only speaking for me, but I have to imagine I'm speaking for Husker fans too, that it's kind of like that, that ex-girlfriend that you, you, you secretly hope comes back or, you know, reaches, reaches out, uh, you know, one of those type situations. But um, maybe it's just us being hopeful. Maybe, maybe it, it is real. But I'll, I know for one thing, if I'm a Tennessee fan and I'm seeing him tweet stuff at Nebraska and tweet at Nebraska recruits, it's making me feel a little unsettled. I think it's, it's making this, this conversation worth having and I know, uh, you know, Husker fans are definitely following him and his recruitment, you know, as you said, into December and maybe even into February. Um, so Nebraska, we do know that they picked up their 11th commitment in Latrell Neville. Bruncey, I, I want to get your thoughts very quickly before we go about Nebraska baseball recruiting and the job that Will Bolt and Lance Harvell and Jeff Christie and Danny Marcuso have been able to do in the 2020-2021 classes right here in the state, um, just nailing recruit after recruit and big-time recruits. I, I can't remember of a, of a stretch of two years as deep and as talented as a recruiting pool right here in the state of Nebraska? Yeah, I mean, they really have been uh, aggressive, uh, even with all the uh, challenges that COVID-19 has created. I mean, you, you lose your season, you only get 15 games of it to really kind of see what you've got on your roster. And, you know, I think that staff has done a really good job of, you know, addressing needs that, that they can that they can do the transfer portal for next season um, you know I think they've done a nice job of identifying guys locally who uh, you know are, are definitely going to be talents uh, you know down the road and, and also even even ahead in the you know the 2023 class of, of finding local guys and, and I, I think what you're seeing with the staff uh, you know they, they said when they came here that they wanted to kind of build around local kids and you know baseball in nebraska has always been good you know that you you played baseball in the state in the high school but you know what you're seeing now is you know with some of the travel teams nebraska prospects those guys are getting out uh younger in their careers they're seeing better pitching uh they're facing better hitters and you know i think the staff has really kind of tapped into a nice relationship with a lot of these kids. Um, you know, they're, they're being open and honest with where these kids stand with them. Uh, they're starting those relationships early, and, and that's kind of what you have to do with baseball recruiting because it's such a, a quick decision sometimes uh, with, with these recruits. But uh, they've done a really good job, I think, of uh, really, you know, knowing the, the local landscape and also putting in the legwork, uh, you know, last summer with getting out to events and games and, uh, kind of following up with that uh, this spring as well. So, uh, you know, it. You know, I know that the, the football and basketball recruiting always kind of takes uh, precedence, but I, I don't think there's been a hotter program on the recruiting trail the last couple of months in Nebraska baseball. 
Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch happen, and uh, definitely every time we see the big Lebowski tweet, you know, news is about to happen, and uh, it's, it's been getting a lot of play on Twitter, that's for sure. The you, Coach Arvell. You've seen the dude a lot. <laughs> yeah, just love it, absolutely love it. Bruncy, we appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for, uh, for giving us some time. Hopefully you and the family are doing well, staying safe, and keeping the little one occupied and entertained during this uh, very, very troubling and concerning time. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. No problem, Ben. Take care, all right? Speaking of baseball, Major League Baseball has released their schedule. Have you looked through much of that yet? I know the Royals open on the road at Cleveland, um, but, yeah, they're all out. MLB Network had a little show half hour, 45 minutes ago to show out the schedules. I did take a look at it. Um, it was great to see. You know, I think uh, just seeing the guys work out at all the camps and seeing the uh, – you know, seeing the guys take BP, watching uh, Mookie Betts take BP with the Dodgers today, and, you know, it's becoming more real. Trevor Bauer and his iconic uh, Trash Town Houston shirt uh, that he wore, <laughs> calling them the, the chumps and the cheaters and all that. Uh, very like him, but, yeah, it was, it was just really cool to see that, uh, that, it, that it's finally here. It's felt like a, a long time coming, and, you know, for as uh, sore and uh, as – hurt as I was that it took so long to get here uh, I am glad that they finally got to this point and you know I think uh, we're all just going to sit back and, and hopefully enjoy some baseball here before too long July 23rd that's a Thursday that will be the opening quote opening day you'll have the Nationals hosting the Yankees and then a game for the West Coast the Giants traveling to play the Dodgers so you'll have a double header on ESPN that night to get it going pretty much everybody else in baseball gets going on friday the 24th that's not far away i mean we're already to july 6th so just a couple of weeks away uh they had some testing snafus where some teams took some tests on friday didn't get some results back today i think the holiday fouled that up a little bit so some teams did not have workouts today some did some did not have workouts today but they look like they're on their way uh, to going to play some baseball here in a couple of weeks the um, the other big story today revolves around Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs who came to uh, terms with the Chiefs today our boy Ian Rappaport the NFL Network reporting that the Chiefs and Patrick have agreed to terms on a 10-year extension worth sit down Ben Five hundred and three million dollars. <laughs> uh, boy, Woo! it's uh, definitely one of those deals where you uh, you knew it was coming, right? Like we all knew that Patrick Mahomes was going to sign for a stupid amount of money. Um, but you know, as a Chiefs <laughs> fan, you don't really want the alternative, right? I mean, you don't want him to not be a Chief, but. You know, you, you just knew that a talent like that's going to come around and, and literally shock the world. Greg, it's the biggest sporting contract in the history of North America. It, it doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the position or athlete, team, whatever. Uh, that is the largest sporting contract ever uh, in the history of North America. And, and you had a feeling it was going to be huge and you had a feeling it was going to be that big, but... It was you brace for impact when when the details came out because you know that it's going to be bad. I will give Kansas City some credit though. The way that they structured it, it's not it's it's one of a kind. It's not one of those deals that's you know extremely backloaded. They they for as much as they're going to pay him, they might have a little bit of flexibility when it comes to salary cap. And I know Brett Veach has been reading every book when it comes to penny pinching a salary and penny pinching. Um, a, a, a salary cap because the Chiefs have had to do that. They, they, I mean, they're they're literally down to fifty cents of what they can pay guys, and so you know when when you're having to sign Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and and Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark and um, Sammy Watkins and am I missing anybody? Uh, I mean, it's like you're having to sign all these guys. It's impossible that you can hold on to them all, but you want to hold on to as many as you can for as long as you can. Are you saying this is the modern-day Bobby Bonilla deal that they just put together? No, because I hope Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is still playing uh, when this when this contract is up. He'll be just, what, 32 years old? so Something like that, yeah. So, uh, maybe I mean, a little older than 33. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll have, he'll have some playing days left. He's not going to be, you know, playing having 20 off years before uh, his paychecks are over. 
The key thing for Patrick of the five hundred and three million, four seventy seven is guaranteed. I mean, that, yeah. he's guaranteed. He could he could get injured this season and never play again, and he's guaranteed four seventy seven. That's I mean, it's a huge huge deal. In NFL, when you look at an NFL contract, you look at the guarantee number because that that's really all that it is. Other than that, it's just kind of bonuses and stuff that they do. But the guarantee – I remember when, when Sue was signing his big deals, I think his I think he got like $64 million guarantee in that Dolphins deal that he did five, six years ago. That's the key figure because that's you know you're getting 477 for Patrick Mahomes. Yowzer. That is unbelievable. College football, everybody's trying to get ready for some geared-up times. People that play Week 0 games, and there's five or six of those, are going to actually get to go bump up their time spent with student-athletes to 20 hours next week. The Oscars also can start increasing their work with coaches and players starting next week and then into almost a kind of a mini camp will start on July 24th. So all that is fast approaching and now fast approaching a chance to talk with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Adam, how you doing? Hope you had a good 4th of July. Yeah, Greg, I did. I hope you did too. And great to be on with you. Well, uh, we, it's been about five weeks since we've touched base. I know you're constantly talking to coaches, to athletic directors, what are you hearing? You're probably hearing a lot of different things from these guys as they're all trying to navigate their way through this strange virus. Yeah, it's a tough situation. I think we knew it was going to be, and I think the optimism has certainly gone downhill the last few weeks with some of the large numbers, especially in the South and the West. And I think there's just greater uncertainty now about um, you actually having students on campus at many campuses this fall. And if you can't have students on campus and you can't have in-person classes, I think it's just a very tough situation to try to go ahead with fall sports. And so, you know, more, more coaches are calling me now and just asking me what I'm hearing about the season and are we going to have a season? I know there's been some, you know, increased talk about maybe moving the season to the spring and we could see the Ivy League and some, uh, some of the other you know, smaller conferences decide to do that this, uh, this week. I do think one thing that people need to keep in mind, I, I think when we see football again, it's going to look really different. I think one idea that to me makes the most sense just because at least uh, if you're in a conference, you're getting advice from the same medical group and you understand more or less what the resources are at each school's disposal. I think we're going to see conference-only seasons, whether that's this fall or in the spring, and then we'll sort out the national championship and whatever else in the playoff. But I think that's probably the safest way to play this sport in particular is to just go conference-only. And in the Big Ten, whether that's nine games or ten games or whatever – that's probably the way it's going to go. Yeah, that, that makes some sense to me. The one thing that I, I, I've thought a lot about this spring football, and I know you've written about it, you've talked to people about it. I don't know that anybody knows it's going to be any better in the spring. So if you just put it off till the spring and it's not any better, then you've lost your year. I, I, I mean, that, to me, that and the shortened recovery time for these student-athletes if you get going next fall, I think that would be really hard for football players, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, there, there's obviously it could certainly work um, for, for many schools and many athletes, but I think any, any athlete that has, you know, a real chance of getting to the NFL or, or is projected to be an NFL draft pick, they'd be out of their mind to play in the spring. And I, I say that as someone who would love to see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and all these other great players, Panay Sewell from Oregon, out there you know, whenever the season takes place. But if I were advising them, I would I would say absolutely do not play in the spring. It's just too risky. Uh, and then you mentioned the shorter turnaround time, and then just the realities of the virus. I mean, if there's going to be this second wave that everyone's talking about, that's going to still be happening in December. And then you expect a season to start in January. You expect people to get back on campus to prepare for a season that starts in February. Um, again, it could, it, could, could, it could come to that. It could be successful. I just have a lot of concerns about it. I think what's, what, what's still a possibility is, you know, as many leagues or as many schools as, as, as feel comfortable at least starting the season this fall, start the season. And then we'll see how it goes. And there could be some interruptions. There probably will be some interruptions. And it'll be very unusual, but at least – you'll have the season in, in its normal window. I think where you really get into some trouble potentially is when multiple seasons are impacted. You would hope by next fall there either will be a widespread vaccine or there will be better treatment uh, for, for, for those who get this or just an easier way to prevent outbreaks. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I, there's obviously a lot of those same questions, like you said, would pertain to the spring season uh, or early winter season or uh, than, than there, there is to the fall season. Yeah, I line up with you. I think if you can try to give it a go, and if you have to just go to eight games and play conference only, let's do that. I, I just don't know that you guarantee getting anything better in the spring if you put it off. You, it may be worse in the spring. So I, I think right. that's – and people don't seem to talk about that. And I know you've kind of gotten in some Twitter spats with some of your colleagues around the country. I know Stuart Mandel's been a big proponent of trying to play in the spring. But I see some issues with that that I don't know that necessarily are here right now. Um, are, are How are the workouts going that, on campuses that are having some? And these have been all voluntary to this point in time. What are are they are they getting guys into football shape? What are you hearing? Yeah, you know, overall, the coaches that I've talked to have actually been very pleased with the way their players came in. A lot of them, you know, were able to work out on their own. It's not like they're coming in you know, significantly behind just from a physical conditioning standpoint. And, and a lot of the coaches have said that they actually, you know, by, by having players on these Zoom calls throughout the spring, uh, they've actually been able to learn a lot and, and do more of the football learning than even maybe they even would be with a, with a, a spring practice. Now, certainly nothing is a substitute for on-field work, and they haven't had you know, much, if any of that, for most places around the country. And so that's what coaches obviously would like to see, and that's where, you know, the, the greatest risk comes with the virus and, and not knowing everything, uh, just having these guys actually uh, start the contact drills. So that wouldn't happen for a few weeks uh, from, from now. So, again, I, as, as several uh, commissioners and, and other folks around the Power Five told my colleague Heather Dennett in a really good story up on ESPN.com right now, Today, I think the next few weeks are going to be critical. We'll obviously get an announcement from the Ivy League on Wednesday about what they're going to do with their fall sports. And, you know, it looks like they're going to head to the spring. But I don't know if that necessarily means everybody's going to follow. There will be other leagues that might follow that. Other leagues like the Big Ten might, might, might wait a little longer to see how it goes these next few weeks. But there's certainly a lot of challenges with the number of schools that are stopping workouts or, or high, you know, fairly high, love, high uh, numbers of positive tests. Thankfully, it does not seem like many of the football players who have tested positive uh, have, uh, have serious symptoms, and I haven't heard about any hospitalization. So that's certainly good news. But it's just a, a very tricky thing to manage, Greg, and one that will you know, seemingly get trickier when the student body returns to campus. Yeah, that's, there's no doubt. You're bringing people from all corners of the of the world on some of these college campuses that they're going to be showing up here in a month or so to a lot of these, particularly these Big Ten campuses. I was going to try to nail you down on, on the timeline. You kind of put it out there. I, I'm with you. I, I think we have a couple of more weeks that these ADs can kind of sit back and see what happens with these numbers over the few weeks. And maybe they learned something from Major League Baseball and, and, and the NBA when those, those, those sports get cranked up again. Right. Well, I, I think the thing that's really interesting, and I, I haven't gotten a great answer on this, and some of the ADs I've talked to are still kind of waiting, is what is our testing going to look like you know, during that, that period of the season, essentially Labor Day till Thanksgiving, um, even though it may be shorter than that? Uh, are we, are we going to have uh, you know, a reliable testing and, and, and maybe more important, quick and you know, as important, I should say, the, the quick results? Uh, you know, we, we cannot wait two, three, four days, and you saw that with Major League Baseball today, to get those results in. We need to know if we're getting on a plane or we're getting on five buses that everybody on that bus is negative because otherwise then you're just asking for a major outbreak where you're endangering not only everybody in your traveling party but the opponent. Uh, and so that, that, that's, I think, the area that we really need to get sorted out. I had a good friend of mine. Uh, she just got a COVID test yesterday and got the result within an hour. So oh. if that's the case, and most and, and most uh, teams have that ability, then you know then then I think we're in much better shape. But that's not what I've heard from many ads, even at places that have great access to medical schools and different types of tests. They're saying it's still taking a day or two days or three days to get uh, reliable results that we would feel comfortable saying, okay, everybody in Nebraska's traveling party is clear and everybody in the opponent's traveling party is clear. We feel comfortable to have this uh, event go on. Do you think these commissioners talk much, Adam, particularly the Power Five conference commissioners? Are they in constant communication, sporadic communication? How would you label that? Very frequent communication. You know, they have multiple calls a week. Sometimes uh, they're on, you know, three, four times a week. Uh, and they're trying to coordinate as best they can. Uh, and again, I think most of those schools have pretty good resources. It was interesting. I, I know University of Arizona shut down 
their team workouts last Monday, I believe. But you think, but look at Arizona's situation. They did it much more because of what was happening in the region. It had nothing, you know, they only had one positive test at that point in terms of football players that had come back to campus. Their president is, you know, an expert in infectious diseases. I spoke to their athletic director, Dave Hickey, and he was telling me about all the different types of tests they have and the, the, you know, just a great uh, you know, knowledge base on their campus. So they really are set up well. But unfortunately, what's happening around them in their state and in their country, in their county, uh, is just so uh, kind of untenable and, and scary that they had to essentially say, we can't keep bringing football players and other athletes back to campus. It's just too dangerous. So part of this uh, is not so much that the school environment, I think in some cases in the media, we've, we, we, we've painted these schools as these unsafe places and, and these athletes are being forced to be there. I think in many cases they're actually the safest places to be, but unfortunately you have the other variables, what's going on in the state, what's going on in the city, and then you have obviously other students, as we just talked about, that are coming into that campus and haven't been tested and could be bringing the virus. Yeah, that echoes Bill Moose at Nebraska. He has said for months yeah. he, he believes the safest place for his athletes are right here on campus where they can kind of keep them in a bit of a bubble uh, around the football complex or wherever, whatever athlete in whatever facility that they use. So that kind of matches up with that. Well, Adam, we appreciate it. I know there's so many, there's more, there's more questions and answers at this point in time, but we always appreciate your insight on that. And hopefully we get some better news on the virus as the weeks come ahead and we get some football played here in the fall. Indeed. Yeah. I think the next few weeks are critical. And again, by the end of this month, I think we'll have a real good idea about who is playing and when they're playing. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Adam. I'm with you. New mobile app featuring mobile tickets is what Nebraska Athletics is going to starting this fall with all their sporting events that have spectators. And here to tell us more about that is the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Multimedia, Brandon Meyer. Good evening, Brandon. How are you doing? Did you survive the fourth? We did. Yeah. It was, uh, we had good weather. It was fun. Still have all your fingers, all your digits. You didn't blow anything off, right? No, I, we. I, I'd rather watch them than light them. <laughs> do all that. You and me. <laughs> My kids you, sure enjoy. It. They make these uh, these snaps now that are almost like regular fireworks. So we had fun with those. Good, good. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad everybody is safe with that. Well, big announcement today, and I know this is kind of a trend around sports, isn't it? To kind of take your tickets mobile. For sure, yeah. Oh, we're uh, we're excited about it, and. Uh, um, you know, a lot of it was brought on by obviously the uh, the COVID and the uncertainty of the season. But uh, you know, I think in the end, it's uh, it's something that professional teams and uh, some colleges have been doing for uh, about gosh, I think about seven years ago when I was uh, uh, working in Oklahoma. I remember the the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder uh, going to it, and and people were kind of clamoring. I think it was like seven years ago, and they said we're going to a mobile ticket. Um, so, you know, the technology's evolved over the years and, uh, it's gotten better. And, uh, you know, I think in the end, it'll just be so much easier and more convenient for, uh, for our fans. So my first experience with it was at the college world series last year. They, the NCA went to it at, at their events and the, the first CWS that they used it was last year. And I thought it was very slick. Explain to the folks how this is going to work. So, you know, the easiest way is to download the new app. And in the app, there's a little icon, ticket icon in the corner. And uh, we've built uh, the software right into the app to make it almost as, as easy and as dummy-proof as possible. But uh, uh, you log in with your, uh, with your account, and you're going to see your, your tickets in there. Uh, and, you know, one – gosh, I want to say recent, but one thing that we've just added in, in the last month is uh, kind of went all in on parking as well. So there'll be uh, scanners at all the lots, and you'll be able to show your parking pass and uh, uh, that you get if you get a parking pass with your tickets, and that'll all be right there. And if you, you know, if you want to, uh, if your family's going to be late or you don't want to use your parking, you just want to use your tickets, then, uh, you know, you have the flexibility to text that to someone and uh, you get a bounce back. Once you accept, uh, you, you transfer it to them. So no more meeting somebody in the Walmart parking lot six hours before the game to give them tickets. All you got to do is send them a text message, and uh, and they'll have it. That That's pretty sweet. And I, I know you know that there's a lot of Husker, particularly football fans, who share their tickets. 
they go to the odd number of games and their buddies go to the even number of games and they break up the costs or whatever. So that would work in that case as well, right? You'd have probably a primary recipient of the tickets and then they'd have to send them to somebody else. Is that how that would work? Yep, correct. If I'm a season ticket holder, uh, I only want to share the first two games or the last two games, then uh, I get in my app and uh, I hit uh, transfer and, um, you know, one, and, and I should note that, uh, you know, right now you can't transfer because none of those tickets have actually yeah. been uh, right. loaded in until we make a, a determination on capacity. But, uh, but yeah, it's that, it's that simple. And if I say, oh, I'm going to Uber to the, to the game and give my parking pass to someone else, you can do that and, uh, and easily text it to them and use your own ticket. So, uh, again, you know, very convenient and flexible for the fans, and uh, and honestly, should be able to get in the gate quicker. Um, so all they really, as long as your tickets are open, they scan and you go through. So, Brandon, what, what how how far out will people see their tickets arrive? I mean, is it going to be similar when they would normally get them in the mail? They may see them pop in their account. What what kind of time frame do you think they should look for? For sure. Normally, they were about uh, mailed about two to three weeks, and and that's what we're anticipating. Uh, you know, if everything goes as planned uh, this year as well. Okay, and if somebody's worried about if they if they if their cell service around the stadium's not great, you guys you offer Wi-Fi around the serv- around the stadium, don't you? That they ought to be able to to, to lock into that to at least pull their to pull their stuff up. Correct. You know, there's Wi-Fi around the stadium, and we encourage fans to. Download the app and put them in your wallet. Uh, I mean, once they're in your wallet, you don't really need Wi-Fi or any uh, cellular service to do that. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what we encourage fans to do, and then you don't have to worry about any of that. And, uh, and it's pretty easy to do once you've got in the app and logged in. There's a button to transfer them to your wallet, and that is the, the best and uh you know, the for sure way that you're going to get to the gate and, uh, and not have any issues whatsoever. Okay. I, I know some of our audience may just come to a game or two a year and they utilize StubHub, which is also a partner of Husker Athletics. How does that work? Has that changed at all from what they've done with StubHub in the past? No, the StubHub, uh, you know, would kind of remain a, a completely separate uh, platform and um, should be the exact same as they've experienced in years past. So. Very cool. Well, congratulations. I know this is probably an undertaking. I know you have, you have some people you can kind of rely on who've done it before. A lot of the pro leagues have gone to this uh, years past. Uh, I know it's a transition. It always is, right, when you do something like this around here. But uh, I think it'll work out great. And obviously, whatever helps get fans in the stadiums or the Devaney Center for volleyball or Pinnacle for basketball, I'll take that right now. For sure. I told our staff today, you know, as we were talking about answering fans' questions, I said, uh, boy, definitely once said, uh, or he said it a lot, but the, the great ones adjust. And, <laughs> you know, that's kind of what we're doing here. We're uh, uh, we're doing all we can to be prepared for, uh, you know, the different capacity uh, concerns that we have, and we're hoping that we have a full full uh, stadium. But, uh, uh, but we're adjusting, and we think that uh, – this adjustment in the end is going to be better for everyone. So that, That's great. Brandon, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us some insight into this, and hopefully that helps some folks who maybe have some questions when they saw the announcement come out earlier today. We appreciate it, Brandon. Thank you. All right. You got it. If they have any questions, too, just, uh, uh, you know, there's there's videos online and there's a website, and, uh, and they can always call us, the ticket office, or they can even uh, text us as well. Some of the instructions uh to text their questions are in the uh, video. So Very good. Brandon, thank you. Have a good night. All right, you too. Thanks, guys. Right. That's Brandon Meyer, Senior Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Multimedia at the University of Nebraska, talking about the new app that's going to include your tickets from now on. Uh, so no more hard hand, hold, hand in your tickets in your hands anymore. It's all going to be in your app. And so we're working on that. You've plenty of time to kind of get yourself up to speed on all that. And there is a tutorial on there to give you some ability to kind of learn about that as well. Time for this week's weekend winners. Ben, what you got? 
Yeah, boy, I had my weekend winner all set, and then uh, Patrick Mahomes went and tried to ruin it. Um, I mean, it's hard to not say that he's the – I know it's not technically the weekend, but you know these talks happened over the weekend. You're, you're getting paid $450 million. You definitely win the day. I mean, he's the richest person of the day. There's no doubt about it, uh, signing that type of contract. So, um, I mean, I, I was going to go with uh, – you know, some of the, the buddies that I got to see and hang out with for the first time since having a baby. But sorry, boys, Patrick Mahomes just trumped you as of a couple hours ago. Uh, do, you, do you think, I mean, it, this will create a ripple effect through the league. Um, you know, there's going to be quarterbacks going, wait a minute. I know he's good, but is he that much better than me? I mean, don't you, how, what kind of a ripple effect do you think this has around the NFL? Well, it's a, it's a Dak Prescott. I mean, situation. That's part of the reason why his contract was was so hard to to get done because he knew this Patrick Mahomes deal was going. He had the Russell Wilson deal uh, a while back. So, yeah, I mean, the the ripple effect 100% is there. And you can make the argument, guys, it goes all the way back to when Ryan Tannehill signed that big deal with the Dolphins. Uh, You know, there was kind of that blah era of quarterbacks and everyone was kind of fighting and jockeying for for a a longtime starter. And Ryan Tannehill in Miami was supposed to be one of them. And, you know, really ever since that, it was, uh, you know, it's it's been quarterback signing for, for multiple, multiple years and lots of millions of dollars. What do you think guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady think of this deal? Because they, <laughs> they didn't sign anything even close to that. They did not. But, I mean, Tom Brady was at a place where I don't know that he would have gotten that much. But, yeah, um, yeah they got to be – yeah, they definitely got to be shaking their heads. Or even, you know, you go back to a few years. You mentioned Dan Marino a little earlier. You go back to those uh, elite qu- quarterbacks in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s to where, uh, you know, they, they're they're playing 20 years later, and their life is significantly different than what it was back then. All right. Austin, what do you have? My weekend winners is a group of people that was dunking on a youth baseball scouting organization on Twitter over the weekend. I know Twitter is not usually a place we look for are winners necessarily but this youth baseball scouting organization had been scouting a tournament of nine and ten year olds put out a scouting report on them with write-ups about their their velocity from the mound how their arm action looked how their swing looked all sorts of stuff like that and twitter took it to them they said it's ridiculous you you don't scout nine and ten year olds these are fourth and fifth grade kids and i i line up with that camp you know don't even scout middle schoolers start scouting in high school let these kids have fun enjoy the game I don't want to say that that attitude is you know lacking the attitude of fun and joy but I think there are a lot of kids out there who are so focused on the scouting reports what people are saying about them parents worried about getting their kids noticed by all these programs at nine and ten years old it's ridiculous let the kids play was major league baseball's slogan there for a while I agree with that let the kids have fun kudos to all those people kind of taking a sledgehammer to that that mindset of trying to scout these nine and 10 year old kids and make them so hyper-focused on those metrics, those measurables, as opposed to just going out and playing the game and having fun with your friends. Let's uh, let's maybe let them go through puberty and let their yeah. bodies develop before exactly. we, re- before we start dissecting what type of pros are going to be. Very good. All right. I had several choices. I thought for weekend winners, my, my first choice was Kanye West who oh. announced he's running for president. Do you think – what are the odds he knows what a political party is? <laughs> He's already missed the deadline even file in like 10 or 12 states. <laughs> that, was, that was maybe this bizarre tweet I've seen in a long time when that came out on the 4th of July. So I, I, I dismissed that. Then I was going to go with Bryson DeChambeau, who won this week's tra- the uh, Rocket Mortgage Tournament in Detroit. But Ben and you and Nick were just slamming DeChambeau. I don't know what you have against him, but – He's, he's just been playing great, <laughs> playing great <laughs> golf week after week, smashing the ball 370 yards on his drive. Yeah, ripping, ripping cameraman for ruining his image. And uh, I don't know, maybe not smash your 60-degree your wedge into the sand. Maybe, maybe that's ruining your image, not a guy shooting you do that. Yeah, he look, that guy he can looked, go away. He looks odd, doesn't he? I mean, he oh, just yeah. looks too beefed up. Well, he sounds so disingenuous when he speaks, too, like – yeah, it just sounds so forced. It sounds so rehearsed. It sounds so fake. Like, I don't believe a word that that guy says. Well, I was going to go with him, but I knew you'd slam it, so I adopted not to go with him. I'm going to go with NASCAR. They had a great weekend. They ran at the Brickyard, uh, the Brickyard 400 of the weekend. NBC had the TV ratings for that. Said so they were up 39% 
over 2019's average viewership. So big weekend for NASCAR. Big weekend for the Indianapolis Speedway because they ran Indy cars there uh, on a road course on Saturday, and then the NASCAR boys took over on Sunday. So that was a huge weekend in Indianapolis. I remember one of the times we flew in there, Ben, I was able to see the Speedway from the plane. It's a big plot of land. I mean, that thing goes covers I don't know how many acres. It's a lot. It's hard to miss because there's nothing out there. You know, we, we drove by like, okay, well, I, don't, I don't know what that is, but that's definitely something. <laughs> it does stick up there. So big weekend at Indy, big weekend for NASCAR with their ratings going up. I believe it was Kevin Harvick won uh, the Brickyard 400. So after I dismissed Kanye and Bryson, for obvious reasons, I went with NASCAR's ratings. So Well played. Yeah. All right, tomorrow night, Top 10 Tuesday. We, at this point, 24 hours out, 23 hours out, do not have a topic yet. We might just not have to do it. I mean, we, no, we, no, time might elapse. The folks expect it. They demand it. They want that. So we've got 23 hours between you and Austin and I to come up with a topic. Okay. So we'll put our heads together and uh, try to come up with that. Coming up later on in the week, this week's edition of the Husker Huddle with Jeremiah Searles is Alex Lewis, who's now playing in the National Football League. Jeremiah caught up with him. We'll have that for you on Wednesday. And our greatest games on Friday night brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery. We only have a couple of those to go. We're going back to 1983, that scoring explosion team. Finish the regular season at Oklahoma against the Sooners. We'll have that for you coming up on Friday night. Again, brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery. Good hour here. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg. Sorry we had trouble getting hooked up with him, but we got him on. And also Brandon Meyer from the Athletic Department to tell us about the new Ticket app. It's going to take some getting used to for everybody, but you'll figure it out. We'll get through it. And, again, there is a tutorial on that site if you want to pull up on that, or you can uh, download uh, some videos on how to get that done. you'll You'll be able to get this thing figured out. It'll be a nice step forward and also hopefully gets more people through the gates for some Husker football, volleyball, basketball coming up in the coming months. That'll do it for this hour. Stick around. Another hour to come.